In the early years of the 19th century, a Frenchman came over to America, Alexis de Tocqueville, and he traveled all around the U.S., seeing as much as he could. He spent the year of 1831 visiting people, talking to people, and trying to understand this new, strange experiment in democracy. And he wrote this book called Democracy in America. It's his reflections from that trip. And de Tocqueville records that he was amazed by the technology and the innovation and the great energy of Americans. But he was also shocked by the great deal of unhappiness which he found. It seemed to him that people in America were never satisfied. They were never happy with where they were. In America, he wrote, I never met a citizen too poor to cast a glance of hope and envy towards the pleasures of the rich. So in France, the son of a shoemaker would expect to become a shoemaker and then evaluate his life on the virtue of his shoes. And the son of a duke would expect to become a duke and evaluate his life on the merits of his ducal duties performed. But in America, de Tocqueville found this society in which every little boy was told, you are going to grow up to be the president. And every little girl was told, you are going to be a great, famous, elegant lady. And in a society with one president and only a few great, famous, elegant ladies, that was a lot of disappointed children when they became grown-ups. So he found this American belief in equality exhilarating and amazing, but he also feared that in this country, a lot of people would grow up to feel like failures. So many of us today, way past 1831, look back and think we also may have failed in some part of our lives. I could have done more in school, I should have been a better student. I really could have gotten further in my career, or maybe just done something better. I didn't save enough. I didn't travel enough. I didn't enjoy life enough. I could have been a better child. I should have been better to my parents. Or I should have been there more for my kids. All of us have these little failures that we carry around. And so today, it can seem a little unpleasant and unnecessary to have John the Baptist shouting at us, repent! We might respond, repentance? I'm really good on that front, actually. I have so much guilt that I carry around, like I definitely don't need more repenting. But in fact, we're wrong. Because repentance has nothing to do with guilt. It has nothing to do with failure. In fact, repentance is actually the direct opposite of guilt. So when I feel guilty, I am focused on <clears throat> myself. Guilt is about me, me, me. I'm a failure. I could have done more. I'm a terrible person. Repentance is ceasing to focus on yourself altogether. It's refocusing your life on God. The English theologian Callistus Ware writes, Correctly understood, repentance is not negative, but positive. It means not self-pity or remorse, but conversion, the recentering of our whole life upon the Trinity. Repentance is not to look backward with regret, but forward with hope. Not downwards at our own shortcomings, but upward at God's love. It is to see not what we have failed to be, but what, by divine grace, we can now become 
and it is to act upon what we see. So repentance, metanoia in Greek, it's not being paralyzed by guilt or frustration. It's making Christ the goal of our lives. It's to redefine our own humanity by Christ's humanity. It's not saying, well, I'm kind of a schlep a lot of the time, but, you know, I'm only human. Instead, it's considering humanity, true humanity, to be what Jesus is. This model of kindness and goodness and love and peace to all those around him. Repentance is taking the darkness of your judgments of others, your greed for new and better things, your unkindness towards those who disagree with you, and it's exposing them to the light of Christ so that you can bear fruit worthy of repentance. St. John is not saying, feel even worse about yourself. The kingdom of God is at hand. Instead, he is saying, wake up. The kingdom of heaven is coming near. Don't miss it. <clears throat> we don't repent so that we can become acceptable to the kingdom. Instead, repentance is entering the kingdom. It is the love of Christ and the life of Christ growing within us and transforming us into his body, the body of Christ. So, you may ask, what about all this terrifying stuff about the winnowing fork and the wheat and the chaff and the unquenchable fire? <coughs> if St. John just wanted to talk about good people getting their good reward and somewhat less good people receiving eternal suffering, he could have come up with some different examples, I think. So there are definitely things, there are situations where you have some stuff you want to keep and some stuff you want to destroy, some good things and bad things. He could have said, God will sift the diamonds from the pebbles, or the gold from the mud, or the fresh cartons of eggs from the rotten carton of eggs. But instead he says, the wheat and the chaff. And wheat and chaff, these are not two distinct types of objects. These are two facets of one thing. So in the ancient world, wheat, the kernel of wheat, is the staff of life. It is the most important, most valuable thing you can possibly have. If you have wheat, then you can feed your children and your family and you survive. If you don't have wheat, good luck, buddy. And the chaff is this hard, scaly exterior of the wheat. It's a little tiny wheat man's suit of armor. And a winnowing fork is not some terrible trident with, it, with which wheat is punished. It's just a big wooden rake. And you use it to toss the threshed grain in the air so that the good, solid, life-giving wheat falls to the ground and this worthless, weightless chaff just drifts away. Each one of us is a dual composition. We are wheat and we are chaff. There's the chaff of our pride, the chaff of our small-mindedness, our judgments and our fears of others. But then there is this life-giving wheat, this core of, of humanity, of who we truly are, who we were created by God to be, his image and his likeness. The season of Advent is not the season of depressing, self-loathing, self-hating, fear of God. It's the season of sifting of allowing the Lord to divide the wheat from the chaff in our lives through prayer, through generosity, through acts of love and kindness towards others so that the pure wheat of our life can be gathered into the granary of the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen.